And I think turning over and taking control of our food is going to be kind of the new future. And it doesn't sound um, new or flashy or anything like that, but it is interesting because we're we've going we're going back to our roots, pun intended. <laughs> we're going back to our roots because originally, like farmers did that like it was normal for everybody to farm their own basic nutrients and or your own vegetables and things like that and then if sally across the street was growing potatoes and you were growing strawberries then you would trade and then that's how it worked but then we became so modernized with technology we wanted um easier access and advanced technology and so a hub of farmers would suddenly just grow all these things and then it became one and then until now where we're at where only one only grows all of these things and so taking back um the narrative of where our food comes from is incredibly sustainable you are listening to the startup playground show where I invite entrepreneurs, startup founders, and game changers to talk about their success stories, learn from their mistakes, and hear about their interesting experiences. Hey everyone, my name is Elvis and you are tuning in to another episode of Weekly and Casual Distancing Talks episode. And on this episode, if you've been following my social media, then you know that I hosted somebody who is really passionate about food. She has her own podcast called The Precious The Foodie as well as she could give some pointers to a lot of entrepreneurs what may be the ingredients to include in our daily diet for us to have the energy and uh, make us keep productive to push those late uh, night uh, hustles or just have energy to stay through the day so i hope that you can enjoy this episode and uh, let me know what you think hey precious hi how you doing I'm good. I'm good. It's it's a uh, it's a rainy season where I live right now. It's coming to rainy season, you know, because uh, Scandinavia is known for wind and rain during summer. <laughs> well, I can definitely understand that. I'm in Delaware right now, and yesterday it was raining all day. But then, of course, you know, the next day is really sunny. So I think you just needed to let it all yeah. out. I mean, I mean, as I usually used to say, like, you know, after, after every storm, there's a rainbow. So eventually, right. (laughs) Eventually. So, so, so maybe start by telling me who are you basically? And what is your passion? Because when I tried to research you, you have been a founder of something, but you are not founder anymore. Or are you still a founder? Mm -hmm. So maybe you could tell me more. Sure. Sure. Um, okay. So my background is um, a chef. I, I specialize in baking and pastry, but I recently branched out into the culinary side. Um, I would say that my um, background is mostly working for a lot of restaurants. I've worked my way. Um, I started working at 16, um, working at all, all kinds of different delis and uh, sandwich shops. And then eventually each year I leveled up, I suppose you could say, all the way until now I'm 23 and I uh, was a professional head uh, pastry chef at a winery. And so um, 
what you're referring to, I was the founder. And when I was in college, I started a cookie company, a vegan cookie company. And um, I started that my second year into college. And so that was really fun for me because I wanted to create something of my own and see what would happen with it. And so as an entrepreneur, I it was my first ever venture. I've tried all kinds of smaller uh, things in high school. I used to sell um, pastries at uh, sporting events and things like that. And then I, um, I, I suppose I'm a jack of all trades. So I used to sell like artwork and all kinds of different things. And I'm like, you know what, let me actually develop a company and see what that's like starting from the ground up. And so it was a very unique experience. I had the company for two years. Um, I eventually decided to let it go because I feel like um, sometimes when you're having a startup, you need to make a lot of different pivots and things like that. And things happen where you need to adjust to be able to sustain it over time. And I realized that, um, you know, me being a chef, like I wanted to explore the world and learn all kinds of different things culturally and everything uh, on a much deeper level. And um, at the same time that I was running the company, I also was the uh, D1 track athlete. I threw javelin in college um, and I tore my ACL. And so being in the hospital and um, not being able to walk and be mobile, um, a lot of my business relied on catering, uh, relied on farmer's markets, relied on myself. You know, I was the only person up till 3 a.m. making cookies and all these different things, handling all of that. And to be out of it for three or so weeks and hobbling around, you know, um, and still managing school and work and all these different things, I had to kind of sit with myself and realize, um, what did I want to accomplish with this? And I knew that what I wanted to accomplish was basically to just get my skin in the game, I suppose, and just see what that experience was like. And then once I realized that I was okay with letting it go, you know, I didn't, at first, I feel like sometimes when you start something and go out on a ledge, you feel a little bit like a failure. You feel a little bit down when you have to give it up or something happens in life that you have to just transition. And so I had to kind of take a step back and realize what my goal was and be okay with letting it go to explore different things and master my craft. So that was really long, but wow. <laughs> hopefully that answers your wow. question. No, no, no. I mean, it was, it was truly inspiring. And then, you know, the question that I want to ask you right now is basically, have you thought about writing a book? I know you have a podcast that we're going to talk a little bit later about, but have you thought about writing a book about your life? Um, I actually have. I, I feel like I have such a unique life. I mean, I don't mean to like stick myself, but I'm a military kid too. So I've lived all over the U.S. So I, I just have like a very unique perspective on life. I think I've met so many people um, and I'm very blessed for that. Um, but I've thought about it. I started it, stopped it. I think I just need to uh, just start writing and kind of, I feel like the vision will kind of come together um, because I, I'm not really sure what angle I'd like to um, write from yet, but I think, I think I just should just start. I think I just should, I should just start. This thing is just start. I mean, maybe it's the hardest thing. Yeah. I mean, you just have mm -hmm. to start. Just, you know, right. take take an advice from one entrepreneur to another one. You just should, should write it because it sounds inspiring. And, you know, living through what you have lived, you know, not many people have done that. So maybe, and pro probably when you're going to reach 
60, 70, when you're going to be in your pension, sitting on your porch or in your dream place, you're going to remember this life like, hey, I had a great life. I'm, I'm, I'm honored. I'm, you know, I'm happy about that. I had such a, you know, life and experiences. I mean, at least I would. Right. Um, for sure. I, I, I definitely think that, especially I think it would help a lot of people who ha- possibly have been in my situation because I, I don't think um, the story of uh, military kids are showcased a lot um, because the thing is, though, it, it is a novelty, but it also is a double-sided coin, you know, you know, because our family members, you know, are at risk all the time. So it is a little bit of an emotional uh, attachment that comes with that. So. Okay. So I definitely think I'll, I'll think about it. I'll think about writing a book. <laughs> you should, you should, precious. Uh, I know that you are a food-related person because whatever I look and write your name, precious, uh, precious Williams, precious pioneer, YouTube, uh, Instagram, Facebook, you always are related to something to food. So basically, my question is, why have you thought about? And I already may know the answer, but I'm going to show you it later. But why you have chosen to choose exactly food-related topics in your life? Um, I have always felt an emotional connection to food. I'm, I'm really passionate about my culture and my background. My mom is Mexican. I have an African-American um, descent as well. And so I think that with my background being a military kid moving from place to place, I, you have to learn to let go of a lot of things quickly. And so one thing that my family has always instilled in us um, is that no matter what or where we are, whether it's in a hotel room or um, in a transition or in an apartment or wherever we are, we always sat down together for dinner and we shared a meal. And we do these things called highs and lows where we talk about our day and it's so cheesy. But looking back, it's like something that always resonated with me because no matter where we were or what was going on in the world, we could always meet at the dinner table and share a meal. And I realized that over time as I moved and I worked in restaurants and things like that, it just brings me so much joy knowing that people come into my restaurant to celebrate birthdays, anniversaries, um, huge milestones in their life. And I contributed to that, you know, I'm a part of their memory and they take pictures of all the different pastries that I make. And they're so ecstatic about, you know, uh, whatever they're eating to just celebrate a milestone and to be a part of that memory in that place. Um, it's an honor almost. And that just, it brings me as much joy as it, um, people enjoying my food as it is me making it for them. And I think that's where that emotional attachment to food came from because it's food is such a unique aspect in our lives where sometimes we don't think about it as much, but no matter where you are in the world, whether you're in India or you're in Uganda or in New York City, we're all eating meals. We're all eating dishes with the people that we love, people that we're surrounded by, you know, and it's such a, a cornerstone in our culture. Uh, our universal culture as just humans to like share a meal. And it's something so simple, but it also can be something so meaningful. Like we all have that moment where we can like close our eyes and think of home or something and a meal comes up, you know? And so I think that really resonated with me and I really like to inspire other people with that. Yeah. You know, other day I was also reading in different uh, famous chef quotes 
from different uh, chefs. And uh, I don't remember which chef said that, but he said that food, as you said, is a universal thing because it connects people. It creates this harmony between people. And, 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 and it's so nice to see in, in when you go in a restaurant, it's nice to see people from a different races, from different nationalities. They all eat together. That's like a peaceful place. That's like a, that's like a, an ingredient that connects people. Mm-hmm. So if the food was more available for free and we would not be selling it, then probably, you know, there will be more peace on, you know, on earth, probably. I'm just, you know, assuming. <laughs> but, sure. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I, I, but you know that food brings people together. And I already mentioned, and you already mentioned that, right? Right. And it so, also, not only that, but it brings joy out of people. You yeah, know, it like, yeah. releases this sense of calmness and euphoria. Like people are very happy. Like if you ask anybody to describe their favorite meal, their eyes light up and they're like, oh, I've had this the other day. You know, it's just like this sense of like joy that, that just makes people smile. And I, I live for that. So, so, so basically what you're saying is that you enjoy more cooking for somebody than enjoying the meal yourself. Oh, most definitely. Um, It's funny because I actually, when I'm at home, I cook sometimes, but mostly the only time I ever really cook is for my family. Like me, typically, I am very simple. I'm perfectly, because I know how ingredients work. Um, The other day, like literally yesterday, I don't don't cook elaborate meals for myself because I'm just like, whatever, that's a lot of work and a lot of cleanup. Um, But yesterday, I just um, slow roasted a sweet potato and I just ate that for the day. You know, so just different things. I really like to highlight certain ingredients for myself, but um, I really don't go out of my way to cook for myself, I guess. but for other people, I'll, I'll really assemble something really nice. So what's your favorite dish, if I may know? Um, well, honestly, I am not too sure about that. I feel like because I recently, um, over the past couple of years, I really got into culinary. I, I can't really say though. I do know I am obsessed with making breads. Like I, I come from bakery and pastry, so I love bread making. Um, but I also love for the culinary side, I think I love any type of soup. I'm a very soup type person. It doesn't matter if it's really hot. I will still make different soups. And I like, I think the cool thing about soup is that it's, you can make hundreds and hundreds of different varieties with different ingredients and different spices. And I don't know, I think it's just so unique, like whatever, like I I've converted people who don't like soup to liking soup. I'm just like, it's basically all of your favorite things into one bowl, you know? So I think it's very, it's very simple. And I think that's probably one of my favorite meals, different types of soup. You know, there's a fun fact from our childhood about soups and that's exactly what you said, right? That's like a many vegetables in one bowl. And, and when I was growing up, you know, my mother was making a lot of soup because, you know, soups are healthy, soups are warm, you know, healthy and warm and everything perfect. Yeah. But what I didn't like about the soups was that there is different vegetables flowing in my bowl. So I was like, right. I was like, I was like, why are you disturbing my meal? Potato, carrot, whatever you are. And then, and then usually my mother learned this trick that if she wants to feed me soup, she has to blend it. Mm-hmm. because then it's one creamy soup and I don't know what's inside and it's still this tastes 
delicious, right? Right. But, you know, growing up, I learned, you know, I started enjoying soups, even though the vegetables are flowing there and swimming and enjoying their <laughs> warm baths and whatever, you know? <laughs> So, so, that's so, a funny way to describe it. Yeah, so so that was that was that was one thing, but you know, I, I truly agree. Soups is unique food, and it can be made from different ingredients in different ways: cold, warm. Right. I just feel like whatever you like, we could make it into a soup. Like just anything mm-hmm. that you could possibly like, whether that's a pizza or whatever, we can make a soup like that. We can make a tomato, cheesy, we can make a soup. <laughs> and I think that's the unique quality about it. Pizza soup. I'll write it right. down. I'll try it. <laughs> I, mean, <I'll... laughs> I mean, don't quote me, but honestly, what came to mind was like a tomato-based soup and like little mozzarella balls. You know, those like really yeah. cute ones. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm getting hungry now. So let's move a little <laughs> bit further, right? Um, maybe you could tell me your daily meal plan because you, you um, seem a food lover. So maybe what's your me- daily meal plan? Um, well, the thing is though, I don't really stick to a specific meal plan, but the thing is though, what I always advise other people, if they're looking to start one or if they're, uh, they have different goals in mind is to think about how you live your life and match your food with it. Um, because the thing is that sometimes I feel like we get, it's not good to get into a habit, into a set meal plan when you know that certain days are busier than others. So if you know that you have to run errands around all day and then you have to go to the gym and then pick up the kids and all these different things, then you're, that's a pretty busy, like you're moving a lot. So you want to make sure that you have enough uh, fuel in the morning. You have to think of food as fuel and how much you're going, because at the end of the day it is, it determines how much, um, it's a fuel you need to get the energy that you're going throughout your day. And so I think you have to make sure that those two things are aligned most certainly, because if you also on the opposite side have an incredibly sedentary lifestyle and you're sitting at a desk all day or you're making phone calls and things like that, that's perfectly fine. But to have a really heavy lunch and a really heavy breakfast, you know, you're not burning any of that energy. So it's just storing. And that's what your body's made to do. It's it's supposed to store all the energy that you're uh, eating. And so you have to think of food um, on the technical side as well as the pleasure side, which I focus on. But it's also a little bit of both. You know, you want to have a well-rounded diet. And so my back to your question about my typical meal plan, I don't really have one. It really depends on how busy my day is. Like today, I have mostly interviews talking to really good friends and everything. Um, so today, I just had a bowl of oatmeal and I have my iced coffee. And that will get me all, all the way until, you know, just before dinner. And then I'll probably want like an apple or something just to keep me over. But that's good enough for me. You know, most people think that, wow, you like ate nothing. But that's enough for me because I'm not doing anything. I'm sitting in a chair, you know, and that will give me plenty of energy to get through the day. And so I think when you're thinking about starting a plan, you just really have to think about what do I have to do today? This is what I need to eat to get through the day, you know, or if you know you're going out with friends to have um, happy hour, whatever, you know, you have to just think about like how you're living your day and then just match your food to it. And I think that's the easiest way to create a meal plan. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, I used to I used to also do like uh, this type of diet for bodybuilders or healthy fitness people and everything. And so I had, I had to, I'm, a, I'm one of those body types that has to consume every three to four hours, certain amount of calories. And, and I have to collect in a whole day 
if I remember, it was around 4,500 4, calories to 5,000 calories for me to sustain the mass, gain the weight, and, you know, all what's necessary to, you know, stay lean or fit or, yeah. Right. It, and, and it's... Yeah. Ahead, so and uh, and then and then you know I start realizing you know I cannot eat so much things the at the same things and I cannot eat you know all the time like vegetables meat potatoes vegetables meat potatoes because you you are getting tired of that thing you know mm-hmm. I, I I enjoy you know eating like pizzas is also and eating burgers right mm-hmm. and then and then and then 2020 comes even before 2019 the third quarter, a second, uh, third quarter. And then I become vegetarian. I said like, no meat, no, no dairy, no animal products, nothing, just, you know, vegetables and all the healthy stuff, you know? So I haven't eaten meat for like over a year. Well, that's, that's really good. Um, I think that you bring up a good point. Sometimes you do have very specific fitness goals and um, ideals, especially when it comes to that. And vegan is a really good diet, but I do say that um, a lot of people ask about what diet should I do next? Should I be a part of keto? Should I be vegan? Should I be vegetarian? All these different things. And honestly, everybody, everybody's body is different, you know? So some people might like I'm not lactose intolerant. I love my ice cream more than the average person, but some people really can't handle it. And so you really have to think about your body and what your body is telling you. Because the thing is, so I think sometimes and oftentimes we ignore a lot of the cues that our body gives us. And sometimes we'll be really bloated in the morning or we'll have inflammation because of certain things that we have eaten, but we don't realize that we just kind of passed off of like, okay, nausea, whatever. But sometimes we live in this culture, especially when it comes to diet of like, oh, what are the things that I can't eat to be really healthy? And I can't have chocolate cake today. Today, That's like too much, you know, all these different things. But you have to realize um, what, like when you change your perspective on what can I eat today? And you have to change that like mindset of like, oh, I get to eat this and this and this. So it kind of changes it a little bit to make it a little bit more rewarding. And then also um, there's, there's no red lining around food, you know, like if you want certain things then you can certainly have them, but you have to think about your day, like I said before, and then also, um, think about what brings you joy, you know, like will eating excessive amounts of food bring you joy for you, like bulking that, that was too much, too heavy. You're, you're on a very tight schedule and that's not ideal for the day to day. It's not sustainable 10 years from now, which is a really far goal. Let's say a year from now. Um, are you going to stick to it? This is why New Year's resolutions fail. It's because we have these these red linings of like, okay, I can't eat this and I have to do this and all these things. And it becomes very taxing. It's like, it doesn't seem rewarding. Like your goal doesn't seem like a reward anymore because it's like, oh, I want to lose weight or I want to become healthier, whatever your goal is. But you're like, okay, but I can't do this. It's all these negative connotations. Instead, you have to transition it to be like, oh, wow, I get to eat this today and I get to eat this today. Um, I'll get to eat this today, but maybe not so much tomorrow. You just have to find a balance and what really brings you joy. And that's kind of what is going to sustain you over time because whatever brings you a lot of joy is what you're going to carry with you on your day to day. And so um, I think it's really interesting that you made such a unique uh, vegetarian switch and I'm sure that your body is a lot happier because of it. And so I think that just requires you to just to take a step back and realize that you weren't happy uh, bulk eating and then transition into what actually brings you joy, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why or, or what happened. One day, you know, I just woke up and I had a, I had a, a friend and a colleague at work. She was vegetarian, vegan for a very long time already. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then I wanted to like, maybe I wanted to just take the challenge of, you know, seeing how long I will be able to live without it or something. So of course I have eaten fish, I have eaten mussels. So some kind of like uh pescatarian type of things, you know, sometimes I also like have a, like a little bite maybe of like cheese or something, but you know, meat, meat is, it's totally, I haven't, you know, even tasted. And, and, and now, you know, after, after switching to being a vegetarian, I'm always mixing vegetarian with vegan. Um, it's basically, basically when I, when I feel the smell of the meat, you know, like, you know, now spring, summer is the, is the meat grill season, right? I, I feel like, I feel like not saying disgust because you cannot say disgust about food, but I, I feel like it's not the smell I like. There's something I don't like it. Maybe, you know, it's burning or, you know, whatever. So it's different. Your, your palate yeah. has changed. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And you just mentioned about, uh, you just mentioned about 10 years later, right? So my, my question is basically, and also you mentioned when the first time we spoke, about food science that mm-hmm. if I got it right, that you wanted to study food science or are you currently studying food science? Oh, I definitely want to study. I, I plan to study food science and um, I'm, I'm very interested in how our food, how our food came to be and how can we fix it and turn it into, turn it upside down and turn it into a more sustainable model in the future because the way that we're consuming and our current state of our agriculture system, even for those who are vegetarians and plants, plant eaters, you know, the way that um, pesticides are used and all these different things that are kind of ironically poisoning the healthiest food we have um, is very interesting to me. So I am definitely interested in studying food science from that aspect, but then also um, from the meat, uh, the meat aspect as well, because, um, that's also not the most sustainable model. We, uh, kill a lot of animals and only use the tiniest portion of it. And, um, animals weren't meant to be brought up only for tiny pieces of it. It's not uh, a very sustainable model at all. And the fact that it's, it relates to a lot of our climate change issues and with the Amazon being on fire for God knows how long, And the fact that there's a statistic out there that it, cause it requires so many resources for just this tiny piece of meat. And so they say like a hamburger requires a few um, thousand gallons of water for mm-hmm. each burger that we have, you know, and yeah. to, for someone who works in restaurants who sells hundreds of hamburgers every day and all these different things, it just really puts it into perspective that, you know, we're using all of these resources for, for one piece of meat, which, you know, I think we need to change that culture a little bit to either use the entire animal, like normalize that or to transition to a little bit more plant-based, which, you know, it seems like in 2020, we're coming up with new ways to serve it, which is really exciting. Yeah. And that's plant-based things, right? Other day I found an article on business inserted that, you know, when it comes to late night eats or generally going out to restaurants, people are now more turning into more 
plant-based food options on more healthier food options. So -hmm. basically my question also is to you as a person who is passionate about the food and preparation and loves to make food. Why is that? What's the reason behind all this? Because, you know, Hey, here guy turned (laughs) from being a, a meat eater for what? 27 years. And then suddenly no meat. So basically Um, why? I think that, um, sorry, I had the answer. I immediately forgot. (laughs) No, no, please, please take your time. Um, like with, like with any other product that is ever created, there has to be a demand for it. And I think with the turn of, I feel like we recently became woke to the destruction that we have cre- we have been creating in our consumerism and different things like that, that we're trying to find a lot more green initiatives to kind of put a Band-Aid or even stop the uh, course that we're going on. And that's been shown in all kinds of technology all over the world and the facts of like, business or hotels or all these different things, like even the towels and hotels and stuff like that, everyone is trying to move towards a greener leaf. Like every company wants to do that. And um, now that they're coming out with, so like food isn't any different in that aspect. So we're turning to more, everyone wants to be a little bit more healthier and they're realizing that meat isn't necessarily the healthiest option. So people, especially who are vegan or a vegetarian, who still kind of like the flavor, but want something alternative, um, these options are now coming up. And in the past years, it's only trending now because they actually found a solution that people are willing to buy. Because in the past years, up until like the early 2000s and everything, people have tried to create veggie burgers or plant-based burgers and things like that. And something that studies have shown is that habit isn't changed from a morality reason. Like people don't change because they're like, oh yeah, you're like killing the planet. People are like, oh, well then I'm going to be vegan now. People don't make that rationalization. However, if you can create a product that is almost identical to the flavor and the structure of what people actually want. So what Impossible and Beyond Meat have done with the the typical hamburger and have created an exact same substitute that is plant-based and you can't really tell the difference, then in that case, it's like, why wouldn't you? If it's more Mm -hmm. sustainable and better for the planet, it's such an easier transition because you're not losing anything. People originally felt like they were losing something in the flavor and the quality and all these different things. But really now this product has met its match, which is really Mm -hmm. interesting, especially with Morningstar and like their chicken nugget brand and things like that. Those are all plant-based as well, but those are hardly identifiable. Like there are one-on-one, they're exactly the same Mm -hmm. almost. And so now that these products are coming out that are synonymous with what people actually want and value, and it's and they know that they're they can feel good about it because it is a green initiative and they're helping the planet. So now it's like a bonus instead of them losing out on something. Um, they're not sacrificing their flavor or what they actually want. They're actually getting something added to more value to their life because they're like, wow, you know, I'm helping the planet. I'm doing the right thing and all these other good connotations that come with that. And so I think that's why these products are really flourishing because they're becoming a more accessible option. Like the other day I went to a burger place with my dad and they had, um, the impossible burger on there. And I'm like, Oh, that's a no brainer. Of course I'm going to get that, you know? And then my dad, he's like, you know, in our culture, it's like a super meat eater guy. He's like, yeah, mm-hmm. like bacon and all these things. And he's like, wow, you know, that's actually kind of cool. You know, can I try it? And I think having these conversations is what really sparks, you know, a really good change, you know? So 
I think it's very interesting where we're going. Yeah, I'll, I'll truly agree because, you know, I also have, you know, did an experiment with some of my friends, you know, like who are not vegans or vegetarians and they are the meat eaters. And I have sometimes prepared for them, you know, like a burger. I'm giving a burger to them and I say, hey, here you go, a burger, right? Tell me, what do you think about it? And he eats it and he's like, hmm, I love it. What is it? What, what ingredients do you use in it? I said, you know that it's, it's vegan. Basically, it's made of peas, made a patty, and, and, and please, the color is the same, the, the look is the same, you know. The only thing is that it's not meat, it's not an animal, nice. it's peas, it's peas that grows in the ground. He's, and he's like, right, to- it's totally, so- right? <laughs> Right. It's so crazy. I saw this uh, Snoop Dogg ad the other day because I don't know if you've noticed, but he's been really advocating for Beyond Meat lately. He was like Mm -hmm. the face of um, Dunkin' Donuts when they added Beyond Meat to their menu because like fast Mm -hmm. food restaurants are picking up on this, which is really interesting. And he in the ad, he was explaining um, he's like, okay, so how do you get normal eat meat eaters to eat Beyond Meat? And in the commercial, he goes, well, honey, you just got to sneak it in. Like, you just have to, like, put it in their meal secretly, like how you did. Just kind of just bring it up to them. And then they eat it. And they're like, hmm, like, this is so good. Like, what is this? What is this? And then he's like, that's plant-based, you know? So that's how you got to, like, it's not like a trickery, but people have this connotation with what it means to eat a veggie burger or all these different things. It's such like a oh, it's healthy. I don't want that. I want the real thing. But like if they try it and unexpectedly with an open mind thinking that they are and they can't tell the difference, then it kind of turns on this light bulb of like, well, I didn't know that I like this. I will order this next time if it's better, you know? So it's it's very interesting. Right, right. Totally. I totally agree. We We touched a little bit upon the foods of the future, right? Or at least something that probably could be the future. But I would love to get back to it as a food scientist or the person who is passionate about food. What is the food of the future? Um, well, right now it's really difficult to say. Um, I think that right now we're transitioning. Like I said, we're in the culture where we're becoming woke to like a lot of these different issues. And with that becomes new innovations and new technology. And so um, one of my favorite uh, chefs, Dan Barber, actually, he understood with the coronavirus that a lot of these agricultural systems that were in place are collapsing because in America it became to a point where they're almost monop- monopolized Wow, I pronounced that word really wrong, but it's fine. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, there's these monopolies of um, agricultural companies, like three or four of them who own all of the agriculture in America. And with these giant corporations, they kind of control like how food is processed. And it's really unhealthy um, to weed out a lot of these local farmers that give you access to very fresh produce. It's not very safe. Um, and so he started an initiative to get all she- all chefs to um, start to grow their own farm, to garden, to garden in their front yards, their backyards, to teach your neighbor, your neighbors, your communities, and things like that. And I think turning over and taking control of our food is going to be kind of the new future. And it doesn't sound um, new or flashy or anything like that, but it is interesting because we're we've going we're going back to our roots, pun intended. <laughs> We're going back to our roots because originally like farmers 
did that. Like it was normal for everybody to farm their own basic nutrients and or your own vegetables and things like that. And then if Sally across the street was growing potatoes and you were growing strawberries, then you would trade. And then that's how it worked. But then we became so modernized with technology. We wanted um, easier access and advanced technology. And so a hub of farmers would suddenly just grow all these things. And then it became one. And then until now where we're at, where only one only grows all of these things. And so taking back um, the narrative of where our food comes from is incredibly sustainable because um, the supply chain of like getting avocados all the way from Mexico or strawberries all the way from California across the country or uh, chickpeas all the way from Indonesia, you know, it, it, we normalize like growing what we have and it's better for the environment because you're not shipping strawberries in the winter and all these different things. Um, you're growing what nature was supposed to be growing, you know, and that's kind of where we're transitioning on that end. Um, on the meat based end, you know, we talked about the impossible burger and beyond meat. So we're developing technology with, um, all of our food science knowledge and things like that to create these um, products uh, that are easily to, easy to transition if you wanted a little bit more of a sustainable diet. Um, not to say that they're much healthier than a typical burger because that needed to be said. Um, a lot of people think that it's like super healthy. It's not. It's just mm. literally a substitute. If you want a burger, it is slightly healthier, but it's not a healthy burger that makes any sense. Um, and so that was an important distinction. But the thing is though, I think we're transitioning in all sort of fields because of the demand is there. And so, yeah, I think it's really, really interesting to see what food is going to become, um, in the future. Yeah. Two based foods and avocado is the green gold. I saw it on <laughs> Netflix. I, lo I, I love that show. Rotten is what you watched, right? Yeah. Green gold is avocado. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. A little depressing, but very interesting. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You know what I like about Netflix? Uh, we already talked about uh, the rotten and the gold, uh, the green gold, the caddos. I like the documentaries about the food and the preparations and all this, like, all this, like, nailed it. Nailed it is one of my favorite shows. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I actually do not like that show. I think it's. Uh, I um, love it. I love it. I think it's. I think it's funny because like people um, kind of just try to make all these different things. So I think it's a little too cheesy. Honestly, that's just me. But I think it's really cool how they they managed to do it all over the world, you know, because there's like a French version, there's a Brazilian version. And it's something that my mom and my younger sister love to watch, which is really funny. Um, but my favorite shows to watch on Netflix, if you're looking like, because I'm a cultural person. So I really just love how people make different sorts of foods that are their specialty dish in their region. Like I love looking at that kind of thing. And so one of my favorite shows is, of course, um, uh, Cheese. Uh, I immediately forgot, but my second option was um, uh, somebody feed Phil or something like that, where this kind of geeky guy oh, yeah. travels around the world. He's yeah, so yeah. funny to me. I think it's just so interesting oh. watching him. And then, of course, um, what is it that? Oh, Chef's Table. That is my favorite show. Like, I think that's. So I haven't seen. I haven't seen those. No. Okay, so Chef's Table is about like all of the top chefs around the world. So fine dining, and they really 
zoom in on what the day-to-day of like that's that story of the famous chef who how he became to where he how he got to where he got to and they kind of go into their childhood and also the inside of that restaurant you know so some of the best restaurants all around the world whether that's in New Zealand or Spain or I think we have maybe one or two in America because honestly you know it's not too great here but you know it's mostly like all over the world that I just think that's just it's super fascinating and this is not sponsored by Netflix by the no, way not at all but if they decide to sponsor you know we'll we'll gladly accept a check I'm sure <laughs> yeah yeah I'm getting hungry from talking about food for the last 50 almost minutes with you precious that's usually how it happens right uh, maybe you could tell me because you know this show is also kind of based on entrepreneurs and their stories and and, and engage other entrepreneurs and other entrepreneurs uh, stories mm-hmm. basically you can maybe tell me what are the three foods that every entrepreneur must have in their daily diet or ingredients you know that thought maybe you know like a brain food because I also have heard these brain food type things moringa mm-hmm. tea i also interviewed once i interviewed the founder who worked with moringa and i know mm-hmm. that that's like a plant like a healthy plant so it's really good well it's a distinct taste such, but yeah 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 it has a specific taste i tried yeah. tea and it's like it's weird but it's good i don't know i don't know <laughs> yeah It's one of those things. So three foods that you think that every entrepreneur must have in their daily diet. Um, I think, oh, that's a, it's a really interesting question because we kind of touched on how it really, really specific. It really, really depends on your individual lifestyle. Some entrepreneurs are going out and running around doing all these different things. And some entrepreneurs are mostly sedentary, like an event planner um, runs around, but then also they have days where they're literally sitting at their computer planning. So it really, you want to correlate your food to your life. But something that I definitely recommend, at least for me um, to get me going is um, a lot of entrepreneurs, because you stay up late and we're grinding and all these different things. We have a keen to turn towards energy-based drinks or a lot of caffeine and coffee. And so I definitely recommend um, to wean off of things like that because they actually are... are, they stimulate our brain and our body for a short periods of time, but then also we're prone to crash. And so that's not a good sustainable day to day to live that way. And so something that I would definitely recommend is obviously like teas are really good, but something, sometimes I, I know personally that they're definitely not strong enough. Um, and something that I found that I swear by that I would just, I wish I could give everybody some, it's a yerba mate. It's, it's Y E B Y E R B. Yeah, but the, yeah, I have to write it down. But yerba mate, especially M-A-T-E, that's like the last part. And it's basically, uh, it technically qualifies as tea kind of, but basically it's a really, it's a Brazilian plant leaf that's been roasted. And then essentially it's so high and potent in caffeine, like three times the amount of normal tea would but it doesn't give you the jitters or the crash that coffee does. So it's a very high balanced caffeine. Like it will wake you up in the morning and then it'll sustain all throughout day, all throughout the day. And I 
love that. It's just so good. It's pretty affordable. Um, you can get it off Amazon, I think, actually, but um, that is just my favorite beverage. And so if you're an entrepreneur who needs to stay up but push a long night and doesn't want to just you know, be spazzing out and then, you know, crashing. Um, Yerba Mate is my favorite beverage. So that's like a hidden secret one. Um, also zest tea is pretty good too. Zest tea is like a new energy infused tea. That's really, really, really strong, but really good for, it's good for you. And I, and I always try to push ingredients that are like really good for you that don't, that, that don't harm your system. And I feel like sometimes we, as entrepreneurs, we value a lot of convenience. Sometimes like we order takeout or whatever, because we have a late night and all these different things. And that's like the real grind that kind of comes with that. And, um, I can only help you, I think in the sense of like strategies. And so something that I used to do is I would, um, uh, plan out a lot of my meals the day before. So I wouldn't be, um, keen to like, okay, for a business meeting or something like, oh, I didn't bring lunch. Okay. Let's go out to lunch and all these different things. And the thing with, um, restaurants is that you don't really know all of the ingredients that are put into that dish. So it can be real, even though you ordered a salmon and green beans or whatever it may be, and you may think it's healthy, the green beans could have, you know, been sauteed in a lot of olive oil or butters or things like that. So really you think that you're having a healthier meal, but you don't know everything that you put into it. And so as an entrepreneur, I definitely recommend learning um, how to prepare your meals based on the events that you're going for. So if you know you're having a busy day or something, um, prep your smoothie and your blender already and then just stick it in the fridge or there's like overnight oatmeal and all these different strategies where you can save a little bit of time by just preparing the night before and being um, really efficient in that way because what you eat definitely matters on how you're going to think and how you're going to perform as an entrepreneur. And I think that you need to be really quick on your feet and be able to uh, problem solve very effectively. And you can't do that if you don't have the right nutrients in your body. And that often comes with, you know, uh, rushing to a business meeting, picking up McDonald's or whatever. You know, we, you know what I'm talking about, that hustle of like, okay, you value convenience over, um, uh, actually planning what you're going to eat and your planning should definitely evolve into what you're putting into your body because that's going to help your mind and help your creativity, which is something that all entrepreneurs are really, you know, going for. So that's definitely something I recommend. And it's, it's been proven. I actually had the opportunity to go to Google complex this past summer and it blew my mind the way that they eat food there. And these are the top quality experts in the field, you know, like anybody who's like a Google rep, you like respect them because it takes, it's, it's such a niche to like be able to get accepted in the first place because you have to hit a certain milestone of intelligence and effectiveness and creativity. And, um, I went there in the morning for breakfast. Um, my boyfriend's cousin works there. It was kind of like a weird triangle thing, but we went and, um, they have personal chefs in the morning that kind of, you just go, you wait in line, you swipe your card and they have all this healthy food so accessible to you. And they personalize it with egg whites and fresh vegetables and fruit and all these different things. And it's very, and even as we transition to lunchtime, they, they have these vegan food trucks and vegetarian options. And it's just so incredible how much they value food and snackage there because they understand that high quality food equals high quality performance and sparks, sparking creativity and um, increases the serotonin in our body that gets our blood mm -hmm. flowing and all these different things. And so, um, I find that sometimes looking at experts, um, they always leave clues for success. So if you're ever questioning what you should eat for your diet to become more productive or anything like that, um, definitely look 
at people who are successful who have done it before because clearly they're doing something right. They always leave little clues to kind of follow if you're a little bit lost and you need some direction. But um, three things I'm not really sure, but hopefully no, that no, kind they're, of they're, answered it in that that kind of form. Wasn't wasn't the yerba mate yerba mm-hmm. mate right? Wasn't right. it one of the one is it wasn't it one of those uh, things that you suck it like uh, a steam out of the tea is like in a in a fancy thing like with the green stuff or was it different one? Because um, when you, when you're mentioning mate, I'm thinking that I know mate as a beverage. Um, are you I'm, thinking? I'm not sure it's the correct one. Um, right. Um, I don't know what you described. Kind of made me think of a latte. Um, that's a little bit different obvi- for obvious reasons because that's yeah, yeah, that's the that's the extraction of coffee. Um, yeah. But uh, mate is the the leaf that it's used. So yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Y e r b e, yeah, that's yeah. how that's how it's spelled. Yeah. I couldn't think of it before, but yeah, it's it's so good. And they have um they have it in loose leaf tea form, and then they also have it in like these uh glass bottles, kind of like a Snapple sort of bottle. It looks exactly like that. It's mm-hmm. so, so good, but definitely, I think Amazon has it. If um, yeah, because I, I, I know would... different regions are different, but I know that it, they have it there. But um, certain local grocery stores will carry it as well. Yeah, I will check it up. It sounds super interesting, and, and if I haven't heard about it, I should check it out. <laughs> and uh, now I would love to ask you because you know, an experience for you being another side of the microphone and being the person who is a guest on a podcast must be interesting for you. But I would love you to tell me about your podcast. The Precious, the Foodie, which I will link down right here somewhere. <laughs> uh, basically, what is the goal with your podcast? And maybe you could tell me the the biggest highlights that you have learned from your podcast. Sure. Um, so the original premise was the, of the show was um, kind of informed. I was a college student when I thought about creating it, and it was mostly designed for a lot of my friends and um, people who are in their early 20s trying to navigate food and today's modern form. Um, I realized quickly that um, grocery shopping and finding <clears throat> excuse me, um, finding organic produce and distinguishing what to buy and what not to buy and what's on sale and what's in season and all these different things that came supernatural to me just really were not like common to a lot of people. They're just like, oh, you know, I'll just get the cheapest thing because that makes sense, you know? Um, but basically I, the show is kind of developed to answer common questions related to those things. But as a foodie that I am, I realized that having such a niche, um, specific topic and because I can go on about the different types of rice there are, you know, like just me caring about that stuff isn't the most stimulating for the everyday person. (laughs) And so I really wanted to make food approachable because it really is, you know, like food is something that we all can contribute to. And so if I brought out these stories that are normal to other everyday normal to other people, it can somehow be a little bit more palatable and um, easy to relate to. Um, And so if I wanted to talk about um, 
the organic market, or if I wanted to talk about dairy farmers and how we're transitioning to um, oat milks and things like that, then I need to have a dairy farmer on the show. I need to hear their story. I need to have um, people from India on my show to talk about the food that I'm passionate about with like yogurt and curries and all these different things, you know, because me just spewing facts about, oh, did you know this happened? You know, wasn't the most... um, not necessarily interesting, but it's a little bit harder to relate to um, from a very factual statistical side. Because like we said before, people don't really grasp on information from a morality standpoint of like, oh, you know, maybe I'll have um, oat milk instead of dairy milk because of X, Y, and Z. You know, they they need to hear it from people who've lived it, from people who can relate to it, because that is how we embody food and culture through experiences and that feeling. And so um, Precious the Foodie is a podcast show that's now evolved into something where we have um, guests from all over the world sharing their story, um, sharing their culture through food. And there's always an inspirational takeaway from each individual story that you can kind of see yourself in. You know, these people have faced certain adversities to kind of get to where they are now, whether they're um, a food advocate, a leader for uh, children and youth, um, or have suffered from the opposite side of effects of food whether eating disorders, all these different things. And because relationships with food are so different and unique and vary from person to person. But I think having these people on the show can kind of showcase and normalize a lot of these things that a lot of people go through because the way that we do consume food, especially in America, is a little bit... um, it's a little bit different. And so as we move towards sustainability and a little bit of a greener side, we have to kind of realize and reflect on where we came from and um, kind of recognize where we are now. And um, so that's what the show's about. It's really interesting. And um, one of my favorite, uh, you asked for some highlights. Um, One of my favorite um, things that we've talked about so far in season two is this one guy who advocates for um, how uh, great things take a little bit of time. And he actually calls um, our culture that we live in microwavable culture, which is really funny. And he's like, you could either throw in a lot of your ideas and concepts in the microwave and get a mediocre sort of version of it, or you could, you know, slow roast it and put some time and effort and do things the right way. Because some of the best Thanksgiving meals or some of our best memories and soups and dishes kind of just take a while to marinate and overnight. And then you add salt, you know, and it's a family event and those dishes and those things kind of spark the most beautiful memories for all of us. And so it's the same thing when we apply it to entrepreneurship or anything in our life, the more that you put into it, the more love and care and attention that you put into it and get rid of the whole, uh, instantaneous, um, results, that aspect, that connection, that connection of convenience and all that. And you dismiss that the microwavable culture and you transition into something um, you'll get a higher quality value and a high quality product out of that. So that was one of my favorite episodes. It was really, it was really cool because like he did, is not involved in food at all, but his his puns and his connection and um, analogies to all the different uh, chef uh, jargon and all these different things. I'm just like, wow, you know what? I can actually understand everything you're talking about. So it was a really unique show. I, 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 Whatever. We talk so much about food and my mouth is so wet. I mean, I'm like, I'm already, I'm already in my thoughts. I'm already like thinking what, what I'll be eating after we can end the discussion. 
where I'm going to go eat, what I'm going to prepare. So my mind is like, food, 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 food. <laughs> but with that being said, you know, I would love to move into this uh, an activity or more like a cutout of activity. You preparing something delicious for the viewers, for the listeners. Are you okay with that now? Um, sure. Um, I mean, not at the moment, like not literally right now, but um, sure, I could assemble something for you guys um, to, to make. Um, yeah. That was delicious. <laughs> yeah, I hope you guys um, found some value out of that. If you have any questions or anything like that, or if you forget the recipe, then I'll be sure to um, just drop that for you guys so you can have access to it at home. Perfect. And another activity is this activity of me deep, dipping in your social media and picking a few photos of you to kind of add more value to you and look where it all started. And there, this will be the, where the passion, I'll talk about your, how I realized that maybe that's the place where your passion for food started. Is this okay if I show it? Sure. Awesome. So the photo number one that I found on your social media was basically, and you already mentioned it, love for ice cream. <laughs> so, yes. so, so I found this on your Instagram and, and it was, it's an ice cream. So my question <laughs> basically is, what's your favorite ice cream? And do you uh, believe that this was the starting point of your <laughs> passion for food? Um, I don't think that that was the starting, this, the beginning of my love for ice cream or the starting point. I think it was just a funny um, memory that I found that um, I could refer back to. And I'm like, oh, well, this makes sense, you know, because I've always, I've just always loved it. Um, I think it started with a connotation. I used to play sports growing up. And so I used to have snow cones and slushies and all these different things. And as I grew a little bit older, they're a little bit too sweet for me. They're a little bit, you know, syrupy or whatever. So um, it kind of evolved into an ice cream. So it's like the perfect balance of what I'm looking for, sweet and creamy. Um, but I think it definitely started with my childhood, um, eating those events, the eating those sort of desserts after a sporting event or something like that. Um, and my, as for my favorite flavor, oh, that's really hard. I, I think one my go-to strategy to know whether a good ice cream place is good or not is to test out their vanilla. Because if Strat they can master- Strategy. Right. If they can nail a really good vanilla ice cream, then you know that the other flavors are worth trying. Because there's nothing I really just cannot stand, really. Because ice cream, especially if you go to an ice cream shop, like a novelty one, they're actually kind of expensive, you know, like six, $7 for ice cream, which is like, wow, okay, I can get a tub for that amount. Um, so I think the very, the best strategy is always to try your favorite flavor. And my favorite's just vanilla. Like I can eat vanilla all day long, but if I wanted to try some of their interesting flavors, like passion fruit, strawberry, pistachio, like any of those coffee, um, I have to try their vanilla first to see if it's, it's a good, it's a good, um, uh, what is it? A control test to see. It's, 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 is it your personal uh, strategy? I never heard about this type <laughs> of thing of, you know, like I even wanted to write it down in a, <laughs> in a, a really, shape of quotes, you know, <laughs> it's a really good strategy. I mean, I've yet to be disappointed because the thing is though, if they don't have a good vanilla ice cream, like if they don't have a basic uh, cream base, then 
you know, how, how, how are the other ones going to be, you know? I mean, it could be wrong, but I just feel like vanilla is so simple that you could actually mess it up. Like a people, like sometimes you just, it's not good enough, you know? And you kind of get a good feel of what the other ones are going to be like. Cause sometimes it's a little too watery and ice cream is kind of like a very interesting science of how it's made. So the, the balance has to be right. Since I turned vegan, I haven't tried ice cream. I'll be honest with you. I don't blame you. Over a year, <laughs> over a year. And I have, and I, I have, you know, I mean, I have tried vegan ice cream, but it's like, Mm. Mm. it's not the same it's, it's not the same you know it's not the same no 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 i mean the only the only similar one that i've had that's kind of actually okay is banana i think like a banana version of it and they had it at the grocery store and that was vegan and that was pretty good it was similar in creaminess but a lot of ones that you use like coconut milk and all these other ones it's too thick so it doesn't have that good melty mouth feel it kind of just I don't know. It, it's too solid. It doesn't have, it, it's not light. It's kind of dense. And so it's a very interesting, interesting flavor. Interesting flavor. This is, this is why I couldn't go vegan strictly for <laughs> ice cream. Yeah. Okay. Another photo, and this is going to be more food related photo one is basically, and I presume that's you making it is this one. Mm -hmm. Yes. The, the, the strawberry that's being dressed into a tux right super, a tuxedo super fancy i love it i love the idea <laughs> i i could not not share it with with audience so sorry for me sharing exactly this one but <laughs> but with that being said my question is basically what's your favorite dessert that you most enjoy preparing hmm that's a good question i love making dessert i Hmm. I think my favorite desserts are to make are the most challenging ones because when you have so many things stacked against you, because baking is a very serious chemistry. And even when you think that you've gotten everything right, cakes fall, things don't rise properly, and you're just confused and stumped and it's really annoying. <laughs> but I think my favorite new thing that I ha I started making recently. Um, I learned how to make creme brulees and that is really, really fun for me because I'm, I don't know. I think it's just very challenging for my skill set because I am very clumsy and I'm just, you know, I, I'm very, very clumsy. And so the thing is though, um, I always, I used to, I always used to make this joke at work and I'm like, creme brulees are not for the clumsy folk because like you have to, how you make it is you, um, it actually requires a lot of step just, just to make the dough or the um, base for it. You have to heat up the cream and then also um, temper like uh, eggs and whip a lot of air into them in vanilla. And then you pour slowly pour the hot cream into the eggs to kind of emulsify them. But the thing is though, like if your cream is too hot, then you can scramble your eggs and that's like a whole nother thing. And then, so once you have that base ready, you put them in whatever little ceramic tin that you want and you put them in a water bath. And the thing is that like a warm water bath. And the thing is though, as you, and you have to cover it, so they don't burn at the top and they can steam. It cooks by steam. 
And so as you put them into the oven, if your hands shake or waver at all, some of the water will get into the creme brulee and that'll mess it up. Or like um, some of the creme brulee spills out because you have to fill up the creme brulee. It doesn't rise. It steams like a custard. Mm -hmm. And so if you shake at all, it spills over the side and it's just a really big mess. So I'm just like shaking it, putting it into the oven. And if it comes out, it's like a miracle. It's really funny. I think I'm missing a lot of desserts since I turned vegan now. <laughs> Creme brulee, you said cream, and now right, okay, cream. <laughs> Goodbye. It's, it's so it's so good. Yeah, it, it's no, definitely no, cream based. But I'm sure. I'm trying to think. Like, no, the eggs is what keeps it together. I'm just. I'm like maybe I yeah, could yeah, save yeah. you here, but no, it's no, literally no, no, cream, no. egg, and sugar. Yeah, no, no, no. No, I mean I eat sometimes eggs because you know I try to substitute eggs with something similar to eggs and i tried it because one of my favorite dishes is pancakes mm -hmm. i can prepare any type of pancakes with any type of filling and then in any type of shapes and i mean of course sometimes it's and then once i made also these japanese fluffy pancakes that's what's like you know you have to separate uh, the eggs from uh, yolk from egg white and then blend it and mix it together and then it's actually like actually fluffy, fluffy. pancakes yeah, yeah, fluffy, fluffy. So if you ever want to, I think it's called Japanese fluffy pancakes. Mm, I, I know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. So mm. they're interesting. Uh, and the third photo, and that's already you mentioned it about uh, the college, is basically this one, where it's from the University of Central Florida. That's I presume that that's the place right. where you were attending school. Mm -hmm. It's basically as an article that students cookie company turns diet cheat day into a healthy treat day. <laughs> yeah, I was do you uh, any, you know, do you have any, you know, insights or you could tell me something more elaborate. Sure. On this. So that was in relation to the cookie company I started at uh, the university of central Florida. Um, I was a part of the entrepreneur center and, uh, business, uh, uh, college there, which is really ironic because I was, I, I didn't go to that college. I went to the Rosen college, which is for hospitality oh. and restaurant management. So they actually mm. invited me to do a few public speaking events and then also, um, to teach a lot of the students for their entrepreneur classes and food related ventures. And so that was a really unique opportunity. Uh, they wrote an article about me because, um, I was one of the larger vegan companies, um, there, at in Orlando, especially as a student. And so I was able to grow kind of quickly, which is really fun and exciting at the time. You know, I started off with local farmers markets and things like that. And then I eventually branched out to, um, I, I guess you just really have to like hustle, I guess, and just be really friendly. But, uh, I went to every single mom and pop store, every, even Vietnamese, uh, uh, restaurants because they're known for to be really healthy. And so I asked if I can just put um, a little cookie stand there and you can sell them for restaurants who didn't have a dessert menu or coffee shops and things like that. So I had my cookies and at like six or seven different locations. And so um, it was just a really cool article that they really they they wrote because they showcased um, what I did. The, the unique thing about my cookies is that not only were they vegan, but they were actually healthy for you. Um, in the sense that any dessert could possibly be. I mean, of course, it still had a little bit of sugar in it, but if you were going for a dessert, they were definitely the healthiest option available. And so what, 
one thing that really made my cookies stand out was that they were actually avocado based. So instead of butter, we used avocado, which made them way, way more fluffier just because of the science of how sugar works. And instead of sugar, we used, um, or I used honey, but certain vegans don't eat that. So we used coconut nectar. And so it was, and then instead of like eggs, we used chia seeds and we used a little bit of flaxseed. And so, um, it was this incredibly healthy, um, high in fiber, a little bit high in protein cookie that just really took off because um, it wasn't a cookie that kind of made you feel sick or sluggish afterward. It was almost stimulating because it had all these nutrients in it, but it also was like a really unique treat. So that was really fun to be a part of that. And that's what the article was about, that not only did you have something really good that you can enjoy, but it was actually um, kind of good for you. It had a lot of mono fats instead of saturated fats. Um, so yeah, that was fun. <laughs> now, what, what, is it is it is it possible to read it somewhere, or how old is this article? Because I didn't um, check it upon. Sure, it's a couple of years old. Um, you could still find it if you went to the UCF page and typed in my name, um, Precious okay. Williams, or um, the Flourish Cookie Company. That comes up. Um, underneath the article. But if you wanted the specific recipe for that on my YouTube channel, um, it's on the very first page, avocado-based cookie. I actually posted it because a lot of people had a lot of questions related mm -hmm. to that. It's a standard chocolate chip cookie. Um, and in the recipe, it goes over it. I think in the specific recipe, though, I did use that one with eggs, but you can get um, chia seeds or um, the neat egg sort of brand that's like grinded up chia seeds like that also. Mm -hmm. It's efficient. Awesome. Awesome. More and more hungry. And uh, you, were t we were, you were talking about the Flourish Cookie Company that you founded, right? Mm -hmm. My question is, why did you close it down? because it seems like you, it was successful for you. Right. So, um, I, I mentioned before, like during that time, um, I faced just a whole bunch of different adversities at the same time. So, um, I was suffering from an injury. Um, I broke my leg, <laughs> um, right in the middle of it, uh, my ACL actually. And so I had to manage school and work and all of these different things. And one thing that, one thing about entrepreneurship is that once you grow, you begin to grow, it's important to export things that you can't, um, that you need help with. And so the thing is though, because I was the center of my entire business, I did all the marketing, I did all of the events, I did all of the cookies, I did all of the mm -hmm. baking. Um, mm -hmm. I met up with all the clients. I did all the distribution. I did everything. I hand sealed each cookie that I sold online and everything like that. Um, it was an incredibly demanding job that suddenly I couldn't do for three weeks. And so it kind of fell off. And so um, that's when I decided to make that pivot and go ahead and um, pursue my other dreams. Because the thing is, though, one thing that I realized, like the Flourish Cookie Company was made so I can be inspired to create new in a innovative flavors that, you know, aren't typically everywhere. So like um, a raspberry cocoa cookie or like um, honey lavender or matcha green tea and all these different things. Um, but people want what they want. And so I ended up making just thousands upon thousands of just chocolate chip cookies. And so I lost some of the inspiration that was there and I wanted to, because I wasn't learning anything. And I'm especially right now I'm in the time in my life where I just really want to learn and absorb as much as I can when it comes to food, when it comes to culinary. And so I wasn't 
getting enough value out of what I was doing. And so I either had the choice, you know, this was like the perfect choice where I was out for almost a month, um, not able to walk where I could either continue and make some money, which is great, but, um, or I could just walk away and use all of this time that I had invested back into myself and to add more tools to my toolbox, you know, because I knew how to make a cookie really, really well. I can make any type of flavor you could ever imagine, but is this something that I envision for my whole life just to open up a cookie shop in Orlando and do that? Like what's, I was on the brink because every entrepreneur goes through this where they're starting off and then suddenly there's an opportunity to invest more into it, to get it to grow and expand because that's where I was at. I was already at six or so locations. And so I could invest all this money into a commercialized kitchen to better distribution, to hire somebody on. And that's money that I put back into it. And so if I'm going to put money into it, I expect it to grow and bring income over the next couple of years. But if I didn't see myself in Orlando growing this for the next couple of years, like I was graduating college, you know, the next year, um, you know, what was the point? Like I wanted, I knew already then that I wanted to go to culinary school and study abroad. So it wasn't, I realized that it wasn't the time for me to invest all of this time and energy into a cookie company when I know that I wanted to become and develop something so much more. And so that's when I decided to just let it go because I took all the value that I needed out of that. Um, I realized that I wanted to just see if I could create something, get it to sell. Um, I learned about inventory. I learned about product distribution. I learned about cost analysis. I learned about marketing. I learned about all these different sort of skill sets that you couldn't have possibly learned unless you actually went out and did it. And so for me, that was a win, you know? And so that's why I decided to just let it go because I took my wins and, you know, that was good enough for me. So it was time for me to transition into something else. And you have never thought about having like a side hustle, you know, like when you have a spare time between uh, uh, things that you do daily, like, hey, I'm going to make some batch of cookies that I can, you know, sell it because, you know, one part of being an entrepreneur is hustling on the side, you know, <laughs> like having your own um, outside, you know, like garage sales, you could have like your own, like a stand <laughs> was like, we're not, you, you're not selling lemonades, but you're selling, selling cookies. precious cookies. Right. And I definitely thought about the side hustle angle, but the thing is though, when it comes to a food product, it's all about who, you know, And the thing with me is that I tend to move frequently, um, not intentionally, but that's just kind of how my life goes, I guess, you know, military. Mm -hmm. And then I was at school for four years and then I moved back upstate to right outside of DC to live with my family to save a little mm -hmm. bit of money before I go off abroad. And so if I were to start a side hustle in Virginia or whatever, I do not know anyone here. And mm -hmm. by the time to develop that, it's with food, it comes with a sense of culture, a sense of trust, you know? So, um, and so that's how you market and sell a product. It's like, oh, I know her from down the street. She grew up here or all these different connotations that come with that. And mm -hmm. so if I, I couldn't, I realized that I couldn't. And also I didn't want to, I didn't want to invest any sort of energy back into that because I needed to invest a lot of my energy into learning new skills and um, 
besides mm-hmm. like monetary because re- that, that would be the only reason why I did it for monetary reasons because I already know anything and everything about cookie structure how to make one using all kinds of different fats and sugars and all these different things like an expert like I, I feel like I have that down and so I really needed to invest all of my time and energy into um being a pastry chef at where I was working, you know, I learned so many more skill sets that I can add into my toolbox. I learned about chocolatiering, how to make different sort of chocolates and truffles. I learned how to learn, make creme brulees. I never even knew that before. And so these are way more valuable skills than to try to put 60% into my occupation and then 40% into cookies on the side. And, you know, because the thing is though, when you spread yourself so thin, you have to think of it yourself as a pie, you only distribute so much energy and time into certain amount of things. And I wanted to put all of my attention and all of my energy into where I was working to master those skills while I was at work. And so that that's for me way more valuable than trying to um, f- try to market myself in this new location just to sell a couple of cookies that maybe somebody would buy, you know. Don't give up ever, you know, don't right. give up. And with this said, Precious, I would love to, I, I would not love to end our conversation about food because, you know, don't think about, I want to finish it, but we have to, unfortunately, because we are running closely to the time and uh, my tummy is getting hungry also. <laughs> That's <laughs> Sorry. fine. Uh, so basically, I call this one, as we are talking about food, then I call it in the two pieces. Now we're going to put the glaze and then we're going to put the cherry on top, right? Right. So, so the first thing I would love you to tell as an entrepreneur yourself with a, with a huge experience, as I can hear it right now, what are some key activities that you would suggest other entrepreneurs for them in order for them to achieve their goals? Um, something that I would definitely recommend is just to always be in tune with why you do what you do. Because I think that sometimes with the entrepreneur mindset, we kind of jump onto new opportunities and to new adventures. Um, And the thing with that is that sometimes we end up on these paths and we don't know how we got there. And so um, I know that a lot of entrepreneurs tend to have um, a rock bottom point or a rut or all these different things that kind of where we have a mental block and we're not sure where we move forward from there. And I want to just let you know to just not be discouraged with that um, sort of situation because it's relatable in every aspect. Almost everybody goes through that. But also just keep in mind on how you got there and be very self-aware about choosing opportunities that bring joy to you, that make you happy. Because sometimes we choose opportunities that may level us up and all these different things, which is important. Um, don't get me wrong. But also, um, understand and find the value of what brings you joy because within that there is value. And so if you, they say it's so cheesy, but it's so true. If you do, if you're doing what you love, you, you're not working a single day in your life. And so for me, like as a chef, like I'm just so passionate about food and bringing joy to people that I really love going to work every day. And, you know, being a chef and cooking is very laborious work. You know, we're in heat all day and we're on our feet and all these different things, but it's almost all of those struggles kind of are in the very back of my mind because it's, my job is so worth it to me. And so if you don't have that same 
sort of passion in whatever you're doing, whether marketing or consulting or whatever venture that you're trying to create, um, just know that it's not sustainable in the long run because entrepreneurs, we are built to evolve. We're so creative. We can kind of make a lot of um, something from nothing. But the foundation of all of that is you have to find your why and be in tune with yourself and make sure that you really do love it. Because um, without that, it's impossible to grow. Yeah. And um, I mean, there is a famous quote that I've been repeating for many, many, many episodes in before, right? Uh, it's related to Steve Jobs and uh, never sell. So mm -hmm. basically, you know, if you haven't found a job that you truly love, because job is going to take a lot of a huge part of your life, then, you know, don't sell, just keep looking. But I believe that you have found the passion of your life, which is food or making others happy through your magic foods and, you know, satisfying others, people's taste buds while enjoying it. Mm -hmm. Did I get it right? Yes. Somehow, somehow, <laughs> yeah. somehow. Yes. And uh, with that, with that, you know, with that being said, now is the time when we put the cherry on our lovely conversation that I truly enjoyed is okay. how people can find you, where they can look up, because I know that you have a YouTube channel, Instagram channel, and uh, a blog, presumably. <laughs> Yes. Um, so if you are looking to find me, um, you can find me literally anywhere under Precious Pioneer. Um, I do have a few YouTube channels um, related to podcasting and entrepreneurship, especially related to food ventures and things like that. Um, but if you're interested in my podcast, it's Precious the Foodie. Um, but yeah, um, Instagram, Twitter, um, everything else, uh, just Precious Pioneer. And the best way to reach me is just DM me on Instagram. Um, I'm pretty quick about that. So uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing from you all. Awesome. It was, it was lovely talking to you, as I already mentioned, and I'll head down soon into my kitchen to satisfy my own taste buds. <laughs> okay. But is there anything else you'd love to say as a final words to the listeners and the viewers? Um, not necessarily. I suppose the, my last words would just be to um, always do what you love. And if you do anything with kindness, um, you're bound to succeed. So. Awesome. I wish you uh, have a great rest of the day, Precious. Thanks Thank for you. this lovely conversation. Thanks for sharing your knowledge about the food, about the future foods, uh, your ethnicity and uh, your focus and the pleasure and uh, making, making, you know, a little joke about the soup and, you know, every food can be made in the soup. So I wrote down soup pizza that I'll try <laughs> to achieve someday, somehow, okay. maybe. And I'll post it and yeah. And okay. um, yeah, thanks for today. And uh, I'll say goodbye to you today. Alrighty, not a problem. See you later. Thank you. Bye -bye. See, see you. Thank you, precious. Bye-bye.